This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right. Welcome back to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. I am on here tonight with my good friend, Jalen. Jalen, it's good to see you. Oh, by the way, I am John. But yes, Jalen, it's good to see you and to hang out again. Uh, we're recording on a atypical night tonight, uh, a Tuesday night, but that's okay. So how are you doing? What have you been up to? Yeah, John, it is the Tuesday after Halloween. Mm. And so mm-hmm. we had a busy weekend, uh, not just for church and ministry stuff, but also with our family. We did a, uh, a, a trunk or treat event this past weekend with our church. And so we had... Uh, a good number of cars in our parking lot had a bunch of families come out and it was cool. Like this is a good, this is one of the few events I feel like at our church where uh, we get a lot of participation from some of the younger Chinese congregation families. Hmm. And so it's a really cool time. And like, you know, I'll be honest, there are, there are families that come out that I've like never really seen before. They're like, Hey, it's pastor Jalen. I'm like, Hey, I, what's your name? <laughs> you know, it's like, I've not met or seen these people, but it's really cool to kind of hang out with some of those families and, um, to meet some of the kids. And so it's, it's a cool opportunity for our church and for our Chinese congregation to, to hang out and to spend some time together. So that, that was really fun. And then of course, yesterday being Halloween, our kids went out, our oldest is going to be a teenager. And so he's kind of in that, like, I'm too old for this. But then he was like super into it once he started realizing like, oh, we're actually getting candy. So uh, that was fun. Um, and the youngest, I was sending you some some videos and pictures and stuff. He was he was having a ball. So yeah, uh, all of our kids had a great time. Um, they were kind of not really wanting to dress up. They just wanted to go out and grab the candy. Mm-hmm. We're, we're like, no, you have to at least put some put some on. effort into it. Yeah, right. So you got to earn a little bit of this. So yeah, I, I've gone with you guys to go trick or treating before. And yes. it is such a blast to see your kids. I have some pretty hilarious memories from the times that I went with you in the past. So yeah, yeah, it's must have been fun. fun. I was going to ask, you know, for your trunk or treat event at church, was that uh, organized and planned by like the English side? And then you just invited Chinese side to join you? Or was it a joint a collaborate collaborative effort for that. So yeah, it's, it was, it was done by our English congregation and mm-hmm. historically that's what it's been. Um, and those, you know, like those can be pretty hit or miss like any of any events that are, you know, planned by one congregation or the other, like, yeah. you know, you don't necessarily feel a lot of buy-in a lot of times from the other congregation because they're not necessarily like, they don't have skin in the game necessarily all the time. Mm-hmm. And so this, this is one of those few ones where um, it is really good partnership i feel like even though english is kind of taking a lot of the the um you know doing a lot of work for yeah for that so that's cool sounds like a lot of fun yeah yeah but yeah how are you doing good to see you 
I'm doing well. So this past weekend, uh, my church was on a retreat and this was our all church retreat. So it included all three congregations. It also included our two church plants. And we actually have like a third church plant in development. Um, they don't have like a regular service yet, but they're like a small group and it's a Spanish speaking church plant. And so all three congregations, all six plants, or all three plants, you know, all together, six congregations had people at the retreat. Obviously not our whole church, our whole church could not go, I think, because we ran out of space eventually. Uh, but it was like a good, like 400 people hanging out for a weekend um, nice. at a retreat site in the Santa Cruz mountains. And um, yeah, it was, it was just a good time. And I think after like two years of COVID, one of the main um, purposes of this retreat was for our church family, you know, not just within a congregation, but across the whole, um, to really reconnect with one another and to spend time together. And so we actually didn't have a whole lot of, you know, um, like sessions and it was just a lot of time to like do activities, spend time hanging out, doing stuff. And so a bunch of my young adults went, we had a great time um, hanging out. I got to lead games for our English congregation and nice. unleash uh, a part of my skill set as a pastor, which yes. I don't use quite as much now that I'm not a youth pastor, but uh, I brought I brought that to the table for our English congregation. And I think they had a lot of fun and, uh, you know, laughing at each other and laughing. Yeah. At the how, well. how did that feel for you to tap into <laughs> like your, your, some of your roots there? Yeah. No, it's like, it's like putting on a very comfortable pair of pants, you know, like you haven't worn it in a while, but you put it on and you're like, Oh, okay. I, this is, I'm in my, I'm in the zone here. And, and yes. I think that's what I felt in that. I don't ever think I was great at planning, like, coming up with new games. Um, I would often borrow them from other churches. So I don't want to, I don't want to deceive anyone that's listening and think that I'm this amazing game master or game planner. But I do think I was very good at like emceeing games and getting people excited to play them and getting the youth group excited. So I felt like I was able to bring that to the table. Yeah. So. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but we've talked about having an episode where we just bring out a bunch of youth pastors Yeah. and, and you guys just share games, right. I, and just have like 40 minutes of like sharing games and mm -hmm. that would be super cool. Yeah. I definitely think we should, let's put that on the, on our planning spreadsheet for, for next year. I okay. think that's a good idea. Yeah. So anyways, tonight though, we do have uh, a new guest on the podcast with us. Um, we're excited to have Kevin Liu on. Kevin is the English pastor at Table Church in New York City. And so, Kevin, we are, yeah, we're glad to have you on. Thank you for coming on and hanging out with us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad to join you guys. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, we share, we start every episode with asking if you'd share just a little bit about your ministry journey, your calling, how you got to where you are, how you got called into ministry. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I think uh, I grew up in the Chinese church uh, at a Christian Missionary Alliance church uh, in the suburbs of New York. Uh, I grew up hating going to church. <laughs> I mean, on a Sunday, I'd rather be at home playing my PlayStation uh, uh, rather than getting bored in a classroom. Uh, but I think God was not done with me. And my mom eventually invited me to the middle school youth group when I got old enough. And this context was a lot different from Sunday school. Um, the adults there um, really loved me. They talked to me, not down to me, but actually joked around, talked to me as a peer, even though I was <laughs> in middle school or high school. And now that I look back, it was a lot of Asian Americans, actually, um, a lot of English speaking side, people who were white and even Cambodian, different backgrounds, but all really connecting with 
us high schoolers and middle schoolers. And so I didn't really still understand the theology and the religion stuff. I believed in God. I mean, they took God seriously. So I did, I guess. Um, but I think it was, it, it was my home, you know, like I didn't really get that anywhere else. I had friends at high school and stuff, but that was the place I look forward to. Um, but even though I didn't understand the theology, they did disciple me very well, um, specifically in following what the Bible said. And I had always been confused. The Bible said to love your neighbors, and I never saw us doing that. We would just stay inside our church building. But the youth pastors would often uh, go out and, you know, hearing about the, the trunk or treat event is like, yeah, that's like, that's awesome. And I think for some people that's crazy, but actually not for me. It's like this, I think you, you, you know, you have this heart to engage with neighbors. So did our English congregation to, you know, collect uh, cans on Halloween uh, and support the local pantry to knock on doors and pray. Um, all these experiences really stuck with me. Um, now I'm going to kind of fast forward. I had a pretty bad falling out of faith, dealing with shame um, and some kind of things that I was going through. Um, but uh, during that time, it was in college where I got connected with navigators and intervarsity and these parachurch organizations that created a very vulnerable space for me to be authentically myself and deal with a lot of the shame, anger, and uh, lack of grace, I would say. And because they gave me that space to share vulnerably, it then created an opening for the true gospel. That's what I didn't understand until college that Jesus loved me even as a sinner. That was like mind-blowing for me in my works-based uh, uh, worldview. And so uh, through that, I got discipled even more so with the right gospel. But I think in parachurch ministry, that's where I think my calling got developed. Um, and even now, I think in many ways, intervarsity uh, more so shapes my ministry practice more than anything else uh doing you know we didn't have a building right so we had to scrap around for any classrooms uh you know we didn't have any we we focused a lot about doing outreach uh really positioning ourselves to be attractive and uh um bridge building to non-christians right not just talking to ourselves mm. um and i really didn't want to be a pastor but later years i did consider becoming maybe a college minister um but i think god um, was redeeming something within me. And that's maybe something we could talk about later too. But I had this negative view of the church, old, inadept, um, unable to connect with normal people while college ministry was exciting. You know, you got the games, you got all these things, right? Um, but I think God was still loved his bride and knew that the church had still so much more. And through a lot of wrestling, I submitted uh, during that time, I did get involved with a church plant out in Brooklyn. Um, it was a multi-ethnic church plant uh, because I really did believe the gospel was not just for my Chinese friends, but for my Burmese friends, my white friends, my black friends. And so um, I needed a space for that. Uh, my intervarsity chapter was only Asian American and mostly East Asian. So going to Mosaic, this church plant, really challenged me to love people beyond my skin color and my generation. Uh, the pastor there mentored me, really encouraged me and discipled me to go into seminary. And that's when I went to Alliance Theological Seminary. Um, I loved it there, really spiritually formed me for four years. And then this is the last thing, <laughs> it's a little long, but then I finally had to do field education. And so my friend, uh, Ray, uh, some of you guys might know him, he uh, recommended me to guest preach 
at this random Chinese church in Manhattan in the corner. Like I've never heard of this is totally random, really hard to get to. And I get went there. I needed $200 to pay for seminary. So I do my guest preaching, you know, it's really nice. And I leave and I'm done. But the pastor there, the Chinese pastor reaches out to me for lunch. I'm very naive. Oh, let's just hang out. But you know, he had other plans and wanted to invite me to uh, be an interim pastor, which is really shocking. I'm like 23 years old. I'm not even done with seminary. Um, but I say, hey, I need to do field education. So why don't you just take me in? We'll just try this out. Uh, but that was 2017. I'm still here now at the same church because I love uh, the city. I love this church. Um, and I really do think God is also doing a second redemption of the Chinese church to me and perhaps the ways that I was somewhat bitter and mm. close-minded to it. But now I'm realizing there is something very beautiful and there's a lot of potential within the immigrant church. Um, so that's where I am now. Yeah, awesome. So your your church now, Table Church, is kind of the English ministry of that Chinese church that you're serving at, right? Yes. Uh, so to clarify, um, our Chinese church has, it, the name is a mouthful. It is Chinese Conservative Baptist Church. Uh, that's not going to fly very well for many people. Um, we're conservative. It has changed a lot these past few years. Hmm. And so I convinced them saying that, hey, we need a more uh, inclusive or at least more normal name. Um, and they were actually very open to it. And so we took some time to legally add uh, the second name hmm. to mm -hmm. our church. Yeah. So why did you pick the name Table Church and what do, what do your Sundays typically look like? How does that fit in with with what you're what you guys are doing in your ministry? Yeah, yeah. I'd, so, um, Table Church was actually not my idea, at least on the name. Um, when I came here, I think this church was somewhat disorganized and not having a core vision or core values and stuff. So, I, Pastor Isaac, Isaac Nye, and I, we met one day for six hours just to pray about this, to just talk. And during last time of prayer. The, there was a worship song called like come to the table, something like that. And it came to his heart. And so he suggested, Hey, um, why don't we call ourselves the table church? Um, and you know what? Hey, I, I had a low bar, you know, I'll take any kind of name that's, you know, someone inclusive and, you know, I like it. Um, and so it's funny because, um, our church, our church, you know, quote unquote gimmick or unique thing about us is that, uh, instead of road seatings, we have tables. And so if you step in, um, you have to sit at a table where there's perhaps strangers or friends right there. And because for me, um, it's not that I don't like other, and I'm not bashing on other forms, but for me, I really care about small groups, conversations, discipleship in that way, right? Um, I think that was the way that I became a Christian. And so I know there's many people out there like me who might not connect well, especially if they're not a Christian, to a road seating uh, theater kind of perspective, right? They need some dialogue. They need some actual friendship building. And so the table seating forces people to somewhat engage in that. And out of that, we incorporate discussion times, prayer times, other activities, so that you don't just come hear a message or hear some beautiful worship, but you actually gain a friend. You gain uh, you know, names that you know. Um, and... It, it, it wasn't really out of the name. It was just more so I'll, I'll, I'll uh, egotistically say just my, my personal style of discipleship um, that I want more discussion. So it, it just happened that 
the way that God has wired you plus that song that you heard while you were hanging out with that other pastor seemed to line up together to form both a, a name for your church and kind of a model for the ministry that you're doing. So that seems like that's from the Lord. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> that's yeah. cool. Can you, can you walk us through, like, what does a typical Sunday look like then as you guys, as people come in and sit in these, sit at these tables? Yeah, I, I, I wish I had something very innovative or groundbreaking, but I'll, I'll just share it. It's actually very easy. Um, so our, our first floor sanctuary doesn't have like installed pews. And so it's just kind of an empty canvas. And so the Chinese ministry ends in the morning and they're very kind to us. Um, they clean up all the chairs and they set up tables. And then we rush down from the second floor. We, you know, set up very quickly. Um, and then get ready for all the you know newcomers or our friends to come. Um, and then it's honestly basically the same thing as any church service. You have an usher, you have the snacks, the coffee, all that kind of stuff. I sometimes make some Thai tea to entice some people to come. Um, but after you get your things, you sit down and uh, just honestly imagine like just uh, if you've been at like a gala or uh, any kind of like uh, event where there's round tables, right? Basically kind of like that. Um, our church is still kind of like smaller, like around 30 to 40 every Sunday. And so we fill around like six or seven tables, um, you know, start off with a worship song and now it's uh, a few worship songs and some announcements. And it's usually during the sermon time. Um, we don't do like 45 to one hour sermons. Um, again, I just don't think people's attention span are that long these days, unless you're a very gifted preacher and I am not there, at least not yet. Um, so instead, we kick off sometimes with a discussion. Hey, you know, sometimes a warm up to the conversation. You know, if it's about forgiveness, we might ask about that. Um, and then we'll have a message for around 10, 15 minutes. Then we'll kick back into a discussion to respond, right? And so I want to keep people's attention span. You know, if we're talking about Jesus forgiving someone, we need to engage in that, right? So I, I, I ask I give usually give two questions to uh, they can choose um, and then I just let them go. And it, I think the most beautiful thing is like, I, I somewhat like a control freak, you know, maybe that's a, the pastor within me, you know, I want everyone to have a curated perfect experience with God. Right. Um, but I can't, I, I literally have to let people talk and whether it's good or bad, but so far so good. We've not seen any kind of really bad experiences, but instead We've seen people open up a lot of people when they give me feedback after like, Hey, I really loved getting to know so-and-so. Um, I was just so mind blown that people wanted to hear me and actually talk. Um, and so all that is really by God's grace. And so we go back and forth, you know, usually three, two or three discussions. And then we finally have a response, a few response songs and the time really flies by then it's about an hour and 15, hour and a half. And we wrap it up with some lunch and close up. Oh, yeah. I think that sounds really, that sounds really good. And I think that I could imagine that for people who are new to the church, that would be something different from what they've maybe heard or their kind of preconceived ideas of what church, a church service looks like. And, and then also for people who are maybe more, um, they, they've been in, in church, that's something different too, where they have those conversations and it, it it's born out of something that has impacted you and your faith. So I think that's really cool. How have you seen that kind of impact your neighborhood? Uh, we talked earlier about, you know, how important it is for churches to be looking outward. How, how does that particular model 
for you guys, how have you seen that impact the way that you can connect with and interact with your community? Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, uh, uh, so I'll, I'll be the realistic person. Um, uh, I'll actually start with the pandemic that obviously the pandemic really caused every church to reset. Um, sometimes honestly crash and that grieves us. Right. Um, and for us that it, it, it did, uh, we had to kind of completely reset. Um, and during that time, we used the pandemic as an opportunity to connect with our neighbors. Uh, we did a lot of food distribution, serving our neighbors, having a lot of conversation. And I think that was a, uh, it was a, a golden redeeming time for us to build relationships. And I think that was actually the best time where we got to meet people, especially people who are not Chinese, um, connecting with local nonprofits. And then when, you know, the pandemic was somewhat ending, uh, we started, that was when we actually started this table experiment, um, which turned out to be better and better. Now, um, Table Church, in a sense, is still a very young church, like one, maybe one and a half years old in the sense of this new model. And so, uh, unfortunately, um, I think our church is just very under-discipled still. Uh, we're getting a lot of newcomers, people who are here just for... and. And, and praise God, a lot of non-Christians, a lot of people who are deconstructing faith, but now coming back and feel very welcomed. And so, unfortunately, I, I don't think we have a strong enough foundation to suddenly go into the streets and like break all these kind of different generational and ethnic barriers yet. Um, we still are very much of a um, an Asian American bubble. Um, and, that, and it grieves me. It really does. Um, but I think to be realistic, we have to disciple what God has given us first. Um, but I know for sure people are hungry. Uh, we do do often outreach events, going out to give care packages and inviting people. And people come back and like, wow, I miss this. Like, I, I, I want to get out in the streets again. Kevin, let's do this again. And so I think after this year of discipleship, the next phase of our church is, yeah, let's start to break some ceilings. You know, we can't just be all East Asian. We can't just all be young adults. Uh, how do we engage parents and all these things. So, um, yeah, not there yet, but we'll get there. Yeah. You know, so as I'm hearing you share about this, that there have been both some, um, good things that have come out of this, uh, shift in your model. And I think I heard you say earlier that you just kind of started this table. You might've said experiment, but, uh, this method of doing ministry since the pandemic is that right like so probably just like in the last year or so or a year and a half or so yeah exactly okay yeah and so i i mean have there been any challenges to um doing ministry this way like were there were people pretty on board from the beginning or were what did it take some convincing or what have been some things that you feel like uh have been difficult uh in making this switch but then at the other on the other hand what have been some of the things that have been uh, have gone really well or have been a blessing to your church and to you uh, in your ministry? I, I, I like our model. I mean, I'm, I'm very proud of it, but it is very different. I would say, uh, you know, if if you're part of like church circles, you've probably heard of the house church model, right? Where, you know, it's not a Sunday service, but you meet at homes. It's very small group based, very accessible. And I think, you know, actually the global church is more like a house uses the house church model than the West. Right. Mm. And so I, I'm trying to tap into that, you know, I'm like, 
you know, I, I think what's the t- statistic? Like most people will never step into a Sunday service, right? But they will step into our home. And so we're trying to get the best of both worlds where we use the resources in the building of a, of a, of a Chinese church and we're so blessed by it. But we want to like make it more accessible and feel like a living room, feel like you're actually, you know, getting to know people. Um, I think a lot of people can share that they've stepped into a church service and then had no one talk to them and they leave, right? And that's like, that's heartbreaking. Um, and so I think the blessing is that it's impossible to do that here, right? Um, you, you come here and everyone always says, I loved talking and engaging. It was fun. It was energetic. And, and you know, there's an energy to it. Um, uh, but I do think there are a few drawbacks that we can, we need to glean. Uh, first, definitely space. It's like uh, th- the only pushback we've ever heard is that, hey, just be careful because these tables are not small. And if you do grow, um, you need to figure out what to do when, you know, there's not enough tables anymore, right? Um, a, a second thing is um, I had this one experience where in the middle of service, um, s- sometimes people will come in, total stranger, they see the door open and they're curious, right? Um, curious about, honestly, faith, maybe God is honestly bringing them. But our, when they come in, they might be feeling a little bit shy, maybe feeling pain or fear, right? And so they just want to stay in the back. They just want to listen, right? But unfortunately, our model doesn't really allow that, right? If you have a random person sitting in the back, they stick out. um, And we want to welcome them. We want to engage them. Mm. And when I came up to this one person one time, they kind of just reacted very, uh, they just didn't react well, right? And they just ran out. Um, And I feel bad. I, 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 but yeah, it's just kind of, this is the drawback of maybe being too relational when some mm. people just need a more vertical relationship with worship mm-hmm. song or something like that, right? Mm. Um, I, and maybe my last thing is that um, some of our more elderly members, <laughs> have, uh, and, and I say this very endearingly, have told me they miss the more traditional style of, of worship services and such. So mm. um, I, it, it grieves me because I think the elderly have such great experience stories wisdom to share um and so i i i've for me uh i i'm trying to encourage them to overcome this so they can engage our younger members but i am compassionate that maybe we do need to throw in some hymns here and there and <laughs> longer sermons i guess or something yeah you know, I think even as you were sharing, that was one of the questions that I had, you know, I imagine that different people go to church for the first time for a lot of different reasons. Like I've met some folks who they came because they just wanted to learn more about like a Christian worldview, but not necessarily to engage with people or even to like engage with God, but to just learn about something different. Um, also, others show up because they're looking for community, looking for um, to build some relationship or get to know people. They may not even realize that's what they're looking for, but that's what they're looking for. And so I was thinking, you know, for that person that's coming in and maybe they just want to like sit and listen or make some sort of spiritual connection. And they've never done that before. It it might be a little jarring. They walk in and it's like, everything is, everyone's in tables, you know, and it's not like the pews, like you mentioned, it's not all front facing. Um, But at the same time, I imagine that even beyond like the initial shock of seeing that for someone who is new, that is a much more for a long-term discipleship, long-term relationship building with, with a non-Christian, like having that welcome at, at a table to sit and eat 
is tremendously powerful, you know, to break through um, questions people might have or um, fears they might have about the church or about Christianity, about um, who God is. And so, um, you know, I, I just think of what you're doing and if there was a way that, that my church here could do something like that or engage people in that same way. And I feel like I would be all for trying to figure out what does that look like in our context? Cause I know it's not going to be exactly the same. Our church sizes are different. And, um, but I think like, even in, in our, like the young adult small group that I'm leading right now, we've tried to model our small group in similar ways where it's centered on building relationship together, having meals together and studying the Bible together, having discussion about that. Um, but not being like, oh, one person's teaching or the small group leader is going to kind of do a whole lesson, um, but rather we're just kind of doing life together and um, listening to to what Jesus has to say to us together. Um, and so, yeah, I I think that that's exciting what you're doing at your church. Um, and, I, and I'll just add this. One of the challenges you talked about is uh, the space challenge. And, you know, that, I mean, this is, those are the problems that we want to have to wrestle through, right? The challenges we want to have to wrestle through, like my smart group doing something similar where we feel like we have outgrown my living room, which is where we currently meet. And have to just trust that the Lord will either provide new space or a new way to do ministry, you know, um, that really engages larger numbers of people. And so that's exciting that you guys are having more folks show up through your doors. I, I'm very curious because I, I'm kind of kind of put you guys on the spot just for a moment too because I think um, I you know um, our friend uh, Professor Frank Pastor Frank uh, connected us and he, when he first came over he was a guest preacher and he was mind blown like wow like you guys are innovating you are connecting with Jim and um, yeah and then you know since uh, our connection and I, I'm curious for you guys like. Uh, we are someone like this, like weird, gimmicky, you know, trying something new, right? But I'm curious for you guys in your context, is this something that you think would be valuable? Like, is this something that you could achieve? Like, uh, and, and again, I don't want to rag on the road seating and stuff, because I do think there's a place, but are you are you guys also like, think that this would add value to a congregation? Um, do you guys think this is like, no good. I, I, I'm actually just curious for your your personal ruminations too. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I, I see church ministry as more than just um, the Sunday morning service. You know, I think that's a part of what we do, um, but it it's a piece of the puzzle. And so I, I would say in the context that I'm in, where our English congregation's uh, a little bit bigger, um, it would be hard for us to do that sort of, um, but to do ministry in that way um because of the size and space constraints that we would have um like you know that's just a lot of tables to have out <laughs> all the time um and uh might be a little bit tougher i think just because of the given the space uh necessities and a lot of the moving parts being part of a larger church um, but at the same time, because again, I feel like our ministry is more than just on a Sunday morning, there are principles that I hear you doing in your service that we are doing in our church plants, which are a little bit smaller and we're doing in our small group ministries, um, or even in like our, our youth ministry or something like that. 
Um, not necessarily like that exact same thing of having tables out and doing the sermon around the table. Um, but, you know, our, uh, our English speaking church plant, which is a church called New Vine Community Church, they do, um, they do meals after every service. And so they, we don't have the kind of space where we can put tables for where we do our service. Um, but right after service, everyone kind of flows out into this courtyard and um, they have dinner together. They kind of like, uh, they'll do times of prayer often around those um, in circles, you know, with their chairs or around tables, depending on if we're indoors or outdoors. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I love hearing about what you're doing, um, not necessarily because I feel like that would work in the context I'm in, but because I think that it engages much of what we're called to do as a church, which is to, um, you know, come together around a table, like literally we're called to engage with one another at the Lord's table and invite people into that. And so I think that regardless of how a church does it, when churches do things like that, um, that's, that's good for the kingdom, you know? Um, so that's my thought. Yeah. I, I feel like given what I know of our church, its size and its history, it would be a very radical shift to move to that model for us today. Um, but yeah, I, I love what you guys are doing. Yeah. I think the same thing, you know, I think that what we're really trying to do is, is lean into the, the relational component that you guys are achieving through those tables, right? Having those, having those opportunities to physically put people, configure them in a way that you're almost, you know, in a good way, forcing relationship and conversation to happen. Those are things that we want to get toward. And I think for you guys, that is a beautiful picture of how to do it. I would love to try that, you know, occasionally at our church just to see what happens you know um and i'm immediately thinking for our context like we have tons of 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 kids and so what would that would that look like to have like for my family like we might take a whole, a whole table just for my family right we have seven people in my family um and and then what would that look like to have another person or another family join our table and that would be really cool to have conversations around the table with my kids with the kids of another family having those conversations would be super cool. And I think that that would be, um, yeah, I, I'm really curious to see what would, what, what would happen, what, what kind of conversations would come out of that. Um, but I think what you're hitting on with what you guys are doing is leaning into that relational thing. And I think that is what is so valuable being able to converse about our faith in an open way, in an honest way, in a way that is hopefully especially for people who are new to the faith or younger in the faith, or like you're saying, deconstructing their faith, like they're, they're, they're the, the walls of defense are kind of being broken down. And I, and I love that you guys do that around table because the table conveys so much um, in our culture and our society, even still in, in, in our Western culture, there's fellowship there, there's uh, welcome there. And I love that you guys do that. So um, it's a really cool idea. Yeah, and I'll just add this too. Um, so just today in our staff meeting at church, we've been talking about what would it look like for our services to center on the Lord's table more, mm. right? Like right now as a church, we typically celebrate the Eucharist um, like once a month. And so it's like first Sunday of the month, we'll gather at the Lord's table, we'll have communion. 
And so we've been talking through this idea, there's no plans yet, but just kind of theoretically, what would it look like for us to really center our service, our worship around the table um, to have times of fellowship and prayer and, um, you know, ministry together where it's not like everyone in the pews facing forward, but kind of, uh, you know, no one can see me since this is a audio podcast, but um, <laughs> rather facing one another uh, an inward look in, in our worship services. And so I, I feel like I'm going to go right back to staff meeting next week and um, talk about, hey, you know, I heard about this church, had them on the podcast, and <laughs> maybe this is something we could consider, especially as a way to really like center ourselves on uh, on communion, both our communion with the Lord, but also our communion with one another. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I love it. So I, do you guys have video of like what it looks like on a Sunday or is it, I don't know if you guys stream your services. It's probably just focused towards the front, but. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I think the best is if you go on our website or our Instagram, uh, we have so many random pictures, but they're really just of the first four usually. And yeah, I think a lot of them you'll see just like the six or so tables and us crowding around them. Yeah, it, it, it really like anyone who's listening and being inspired. It's really like I I I I feel bad, but it's so simple. I feel like I I want to make this more flashy, but I literally just put tables out there. It's a small change, but it really does just transform the whole experience. You know? Mm, yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I want to pick up on a little bit of something that you talked about with some of the the older. Um, or maybe, you know, longer tenured, like church folks that are part of your congregation. How, how has the, the, the first generation, the immigrant congregation responded to you guys? Like, what does that relationship look like with you and the, the, uh, the, the Chinese congregation of the Chinese conservative Baptist church? Because I, I could imagine just even with that name, there'd be a little bit of hesitation or a little bit of pushback, but w- yeah. What is that like for you guys? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, I really want to um, respect um, that. Obviously, uh, anyone who's listening to this podcast or coming from a, you know, immigrant church, whether Korean, Chinese, Haitian, um, has had to deal with the difficulty, right? <laughs> Not just cultural differences, but generational differences. Um, so I, I want to say I'm so humbly blessed that that Chinese conservative Baptist church is actually not very conservative, not very tightly Chinese. Um, I will say, I think God has been working in this church for a long time. And though they did have, I hear stories and traditions, more recently, uh, there has been a lot of pain and difficulty as with any church. And that has softened the church's heart to be, hey, we need to change. Uh, we need to change our name, honestly, too. We need to adapt, um, but we just don't have a leader. We don't have someone to bring us into this. And so I think that's where God put me into this church, where I didn't know what to do either. So I was very humble, too. But it was a very beautiful. Kevin doesn't know what he's doing. The Chinese side doesn't know what they're doing. But we want to serve God, and we're very humble. And so we're going to work on this and make a lot of mistakes. And um, so... Um, there has been, of course, you know, feedback and concerns and doubts, right? But very minor for the most part. They give me and the English ministry a lot of freedom to try these radical things. Yeah, yeah that that's awesome. And, you know, so just a moment ago, I heard two things. One, you said 
that, you know, it was very simple. You just put out these tables and wasn't anything flashy. And then at the same time, you said that along the way in this process, you've been learning um, kind of what to do, what not to do and learning as you go. And so I'm curious, like, so if there's a church that's out there that wants to try that, whether it's my church or Jalen's church or any church that might be listening to this, you know, besides just grabbing a bunch of tables and sending them up in the <laughs> sanctuary, what are some things that they should be mindful of or, or, you know, like lessons you've learned along the way that could help other churches really develop this sort of ministry and this sort of model um, to really learn from your example, you know, because I, I feel like, like I'm ready to just try. Let's let's just try. Let's pull all these circle tables out of storage and put them in our sanctuary. But <laughs> there's probably other things along the way that we need to keep in mind as we go. So what can you think of anything like that? Yeah, no, it's such a good question. Um, I'll, I'll try to speak off the cuff. Um, I think when I heard both of you guys, uh, clearly you guys are uh, well-trained pastors because you talk about context, right? It's all about context. The gospel is contextualized. <laughs> all that kind of stuff and so uh that you have to understand your context right like i i don't know even if the if if i was to force the chinese ministry of my church to do this would that fit their context and their culture right even if they're the same generation you know the the eastern way of dialogue and monologue is just so different and so we have to respect that and really understand our context um uh john you said about size it's a reality it is hard to do with you know a hundred person, you know, 200 person, um, it might not even be the best way. Um, and, and so, um, I think really being realistic with your context is so important. Um, however, I think my encouragement is that, um, let's, 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 how do I say this? Be real with your experience, right? You know, it's like, I think we try to like follow the church tradition because this is the right thing to do. But my gut was telling me like, hey, we can just try it. And I think this works. Like I've seen it work. Um, and it's not just me, I've seen other people. And so I I, I just very shrewdly put placed out tables with this specific size. Um, and I use a lot of my small group experience. Um, I think anyone who wants to do this, you definitely need experience working with small groups, with uh, dynamics, with you know, spacing, putting out tablecloths, making it look nice, like all of these little details do matter. Um, and if you can build that experience and just kind of import that onto Sunday in a very simple way, um, yeah, that, that would be so important. Um, and maybe two quick things. Um, I think I like what you guys said too, is that doing this occasionally might be very nice, right? You know, if it's a big transition to suddenly jump, hey, try it out, you know, like for a, for a trunk or treat, right? Or for another holiday, you know, uh, just try something a little different uh, and kind of warm people up and see the feedback if people like it or not. Um, and then last thing is that um, uh, I, 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 we, I didn't say it's during the challenges, but I will want to say um, eventually or, or reality is people are not the best conversationalists, right? There's in every small group, again, there's someone who overshares. There's some people who undershare, you know, <laughs> we all know, we all know those people too. I'm the oversharer. So, you know, someone's got to tell me to Same. shut up. Same. Gonna... <laughs> right. So it, I think uh, in the very beginning, when we were a little bit smaller, I was able to place leaders at each table. Hey, you know, Serena, maybe go to that table. Uh, and then my leaders would know, hey, that table has literally all newcomers. I need to go sit there. And so if you can have leaders who have that good awareness to place themselves, um, 
lifesaver of a of a technique. Yeah, that was the question I was going to ask. Like, just very logistically, how do you do you plant people at certain tables, and then um, like, where do you do you specifically do you go to certain tables, or will you kind of just bounce around? How do you? What do you usually do? I think before I would when we were smaller, but. I do feel a little bit awkward that if I've been preaching for like 15 minutes and everyone's looking at me, there's this power dynamic. And then, then I sit down. It's like, Oh, Whoa. You know, like I'm sitting at the table of the pastor. I got to say the right thing. You know, I can't tell him that I wasn't paying attention. You know, like, you know, kind of thing. so uh, now I just, I just stay at the front. It gives me a good break to get some water, to pray, to get my thoughts together. And uh, I just let them go. Yeah, I love it. And I think that that's something that certainly churches could could definitely benefit from. And, and I'm hoping that there are people, there are going to be churches and pastors who who might do something exactly like this or something similar, but kind of leaning into that, looking for ways to help conversations, stir up those kind of relationships that will help people who are new to the faith or younger in the faith or even de- deconstructing their faith. So as we leave, one of the things that we want to ask is just what's one piece of advice or encouragement you would give someone that's currently serving in the Chinese Heritage Church? And it doesn't necessarily have to be about um, the model that you guys are doing, but just in general, what's a piece of advice or encouragement you'd give? My heart goes out to anyone, honestly. You know, it, it is not easy. And I just want to encourage that um, maybe... Um, Maybe actually something I, I spoke about at my wedding, um, kind of a random tangent. Um, I think um, something that I learned during my first year of marriage was not to be the savior or to be the hero or to be the ultra husband, right? But the biggest lesson I learned was that um, I need to die to myself. Um, when I tried to be the hero, it was often me you know, masculine power, all these kind of bad ideas of trying to dominate. But what my wife and what our marriage, what I needed was to die to myself. Um, and in a way that, in a way that was not like self-loathing, right? Of course, but it was humbling to say that, yeah, I, I, it, it's not all up to me, right? And I think that's really hard for me to say, because I know there's listeners here who, who are feeling depowered they are struggling with leadership that are not listening to them who could they're like oh this is nice for Kevin to say but this could never fly in my Chinese church or my Korean church or whatever and it's just oh, my heart goes out to you and I just want to say like don't get caught up in a sense of like pride where I was where like I we need to have this you know I I you know like and and, and that that place can be so toxic right it could be so destroying and and i've been there i actually this past year like i was like had so much freedom i was pushing 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 and then i hit a block with you know and then it was a very legitimate block a very legitimate concern and i was so mad it's like don't you see that we're changing the system we're amazing we're innovative and all that ego just got to my head and um i needed to put that to death and um so um and and i just want to encourage you that anyone who's listening that that's a beautiful thing that's a very christ-like thing philippians 2 i've been reading that recently you know how christ emptied himself and like wow like if 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 even if you can't come up with an innovative thing even if your church leadership can't see that christ sees that and 
man, that's good enough for me. You know, my, my Lord sees that and he has a smile on his face. That's good enough for me. And so I know it's not nice. I know that's kind of still frustrating for some people to hear, but um, that's my encouragement still to anyone who's going through this. No, Kevin, that's a good word. And, you know, I think just, I love that that's something that you're not just sharing as a theoretical thing, but that you you're living through living out of um, that truth to die to yourself. And um, it's a good reminder for, for us and for our listeners. And yeah, so thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing a bit of your story and your ministry with us. Um, I'm definitely inspired. Uh, I'll, I'll have to be careful not to get too far ahead of myself the way that you just described of yourself, you know, and, uh, you know, I'd love to see what this looks like in, in different contexts and in different places. Like I'm thinking I got a young adult retreat coming up at the end of the year. Maybe this is something we need to consider for how we do things, but yeah, thank you again for your time and hanging out with us and, uh, and for the work that you're doing, uh, in the kingdom. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I had a really good time chatting and, I had I, hoped this to be more dialogical, but I just popped off and <laughs> monologue. So thanks for listening to me. It was great. Thanks, Kevin. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.